Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. United players, honestly, it's embarrassing just watching some of those out there today. I'm absolutely furious. Full belief in Ole to do what he needs to do. The club obviously will support him, but it's a big problem. And I have to say that performance today was rancid. Just want to apologise to the fans. They were the only, only people with a badge on today that could say, can hold their head up high and um, say that they were Man United because we weren't. Talent has never, ever been enough. That was one year ago today. Everton fought Manchester United nil April 21st, 2019. One year on, how have things changed at Manchester United? Has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer proved he is the right man for the job, despite leading the Reds to one of the worst Premier League defeats in their history? That's what we're discussing today. You've heard the clips, depressing or infuriating, you decide. The BBC Sport Match Report wrote after the defeat that it exposes all the problems at Manchester United. Jack, let's begin by talking about what those problems were. It felt like that day was a, a culmination of everything wrong we'd seen with Solskjaer's United up to that point. No clean sheet for 11 consecutive games. We only managed one shot on target. 
we'd been outrun in 15 of 17 Premier League games on the Solskjaer. It was a fifth consecutive away defeat. And it was a the, the the major thing that people took away from it was the fact that United just crumpled in a in a way I don't think anyone had ever seen from a United team before. It was a particularly harrowing game to watch in a what was a series of pretty harrowing defeats and and draws over the back end of last season. I think you know we it was a time of really bleak outlook. I think for United, you know, Solskjaer had just signed a long term contract after a lot of debate about whether he should. You know, we been very vocal saying that he shouldn't be offered the contract so soon and with the manager having just signed a contract then going through what was I think at the time one of our worst runs of form in in decades it was a it was a very very troubling time and one that really had a very bleak outlook for United going forward and this really was the the worst of a bad bunch to this day probably still the worst United performance I've ever seen it was a it was a really strange one as well because by the time the fourth goal had gone in you kind of felt like you kind of felt numb to to what was going on, but it, it really was a, a performance lacking in, in in guts, heart, and and genuine quality as well. And as you say, it ranks alongside the worst we've ever seen. And there, I, I I was reading the uh, the match ball as I said, and it, one of the lines was, "There is nothing Solskjaer can bank on," because even David de Gea was poor in that game, and that is the sense you got. I think that the major thing to it felt to like take everything away that from, could go, go wrong was was going on. De Gea has been the one certainty in our team of very mediocre players and very mediocre performances yeah. in the last half a decade, and even he was going. Wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, we're now kind of used to to mistakes from David De Gea in a in a strange way, even though he he maintains his his position as one of the league's best goalkeepers. But at that point, it was that was the only thing we relied upon. I think we, we're not going to dwell on on the performance again for too long because we had our, our our depressed moment this time last year but the the reason for this podcast is to talk about use it as a moment to talk about how things have progressed at united because a lot of the talk as as we find something to to do and to chat about in these strange times is how far are manchester united off challenging for a league title and and in the way that only football fans can do, people are changing their minds very quickly on the basis of some uh, very dodgy sources and, and, and that's the way things is. But have things progressed since that game? I think, well, things have certainly progressed. Have they progressed in the way that, that you would have liked them to? No, the progress definitely hasn't been what we would have expected. It certainly hasn't been a linear sort of progress chart. It's had a lot of ups and downs, especially in the first half of this season. You know, there were plenty of times from say August to January where you felt like this might be United for the next few years. It might be that we aren't really progressing very much and we are just sort of this inconsistent team. The last six weeks or so of watching United before the world has ended (laughs) (laughs) to all intents and purposes gave us a lot more hope, I think, and definitely made you feel like this season, even if it was to end today, which is not out of the question at the moment, would at least, I think, have been overall a, a, a positive season that at least has kind of set us up nicely going into next year. But it certainly hasn't been the swift sort of uptick from the low of that Everton performance that we all wanted. And yet, I think the the big things to take out of this, and particularly when talking about that Everton game, is the, the, the change in the mentality of the United team. And that's I think that's one of the things that Solskjaer has been able to to, to to bank on as a as a way that he can keep the United supporters on side because as a 
as fans who who go to matches or watch on TV or stay up at all hours to watch it in in wherever United fans do watch it all across the world, the the one thing that always helps is that you you feel the team is is trying hard and it's something that Solskjaer has reiterated in his press conferences so many times this season is that even when United lose you you get the sense that they've they've tried really hard if you think about the Sheffield United game for example where we went um two goals down away at Bramall Lane pulled it back to 3-2 and ended up with a, a gutting late equaliser from Sheffield United and and that a 3-3 draw you would you came away disappointed but there is no way last season that that comeback to make it three two would have happened. And I mean, you'd also you'd also say and as well that you'd also say as well that most of the bad performances that United have been and most of the bad results that we've had over the last three or four years have often been against sort of smaller clubs. Without meaning to be disrespectful, smaller clubs against whom we, you know, we we basically just camp in, in the, on the edge of their own box for ninety minutes and just simply can't put away a chance or can't create chances. It's not because we were actually dominated on the pitch. But this Everton game, we, we we didn't create anything. It wasn't that we just couldn't put the finishing touches to moves. There was nothing at all. And I think that is the big yeah. difference. And I, th- I, I, w- I want to read out a couple of the tweets that we got in earlier today. Um, Paul Morrow said, after the Everton game, he said, I detested every player after that game. Some have gone, some don't play regularly and some have improved and I now like every player in the first team. Their character and fight are much more becoming of United players and that's a credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And the, the, we'll, we'll move on to how this team can move forward in a bit, but that's a big thing. And, and one of the quotes that Solskjaer came out with recently, I think it was the before the the Everton game where we drew uh, 1-1 recently where Bruno Fernandes scored from outside the box and De Gea made that catastrophic mistake. And before that, Solskjaer said... I can, with hand on heart, 100% say these boys will never give up like that team did. And you think about the players that he's got rid of, it's not actually that many. But you've removed Romelu Lukaku from the team, who, who clearly didn't want to be at United and seemed to have already decided that point. And reports would suggest that would be the case, that even by that Everton game, he decided he no longer wanted to be a United player in April before the season ended. And that's not a positive thing. And the players he's brought in more n- notably... Harry Maguire, who is not, probably isn't an £80 million defender, isn't the best captain in, in the league or at United in the last two decades, but is somewhat a leader in, in the dressing room. Daniel James, who's a, a really keen young player, as is Aaron Wan-Bissaka, and giving bigger roles to people like Marcus Rashford and, and Scott McTominay. And, and you are seeing the dressing room being moulded into what, as as Paul says, some something becoming of Manchester United. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, there, there's no, there's no way. That I, don't, I think, I hope, anyway, that we would ever reproduce exactly what has happened at, at Goodison Park last season. <laughs> I, it was a complete outlier. Even in the midst of that horrific run of form, it was a complete outlier in just how bad it was and how little fight there was. But you're right. I think there is some cause for optimism in that. Not that I, I don't think, maybe potentially, with the exception of Bruno Fernandes, although obviously it's far too early to tell. I think the signings we've made, although they haven't been incredible signings, you'd say every one of them has been positive. Maguire has definitely added some solidity to our, to our defence, and especially since he's been named permanent captain, has, has stepped up his performances yep. to another level. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, again, not the perfect right back, but has definitely been a massive upgrade on, on what we had before and, and looks to be a very good option going into the future. Dan James, we, we discussed at the start of the season as a pretty risk-free signing, has been you know, a revelation at the start of the season and then sort of plateaued into 
what we expected, a, a pretty good talent yeah. who who needs to clean up his game a little bit. But, you know, I, w- I think the fact that our signings are now, one, they make a little bit more sense. We actually we have yeah. a little bit more of a strategy of signing younger players and in positions and areas of the pitch where we desperately need it. And also that all of the signings have been, it seems anyway, integrated into the team pretty well and actually thought out in that all of these are players who fit in the style that we are trying to play. And it seems like there is a bit more of a plan. It obviously doesn't mean that all the problems in the transfer market are fixed. And whenever this summer's transfer window opens, will probably yeah. be the biggest one that we've had in a long, long time. Because I feel like now... We've said that about all of them, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it's true. There is no uh, there, there is no unimportant transfer window. But it feels feels like at the moment, with the momentum that we built up in February, there this is... United really have a chance to to take a, a big, big step forward. And if we don't take that this transfer window, we may be staring at another difficult season. Yeah, I think Bruno Fernandes is is uh, the best one. Of obviously, he's, he's the best player that United have signed based on on the start he's made at Old Trafford. But he's also the kind of the, the, he offers the perfect mix in that he didn't cost. A ridiculous amount of money. He he didn't command a world record fee, but he comes in with seemingly a, a, a brilliant mentality. He's been ordering his teammates around already. He's been demanding more from them. He's been demanding more for himself, and also comes with the the guarantee of quality. And I think that kind of mix is is what we've very rarely had in United signings. We've often had players who are close to the end of their careers that so we've managed to get reasonably cheap. Robin van Persie. Bastian Schweinsteiger, Sergio Romero, or we've had the the superstars, Paul Pogba and Di Maria, um, or we've had the the younger players who haven't worked out as, as nicely as we thought, Memphis Depay, Morgan Schneiderlin, uh, Matteo Damian, among others. And Bruno is kind of in the middle of that, and we haven't had a, a signing like that. And Harry Maguire is probably the other one, although he did um, command a world record for you. And, and that's that's something new. In terms of, of, of how United play, and, and how that's changed since the 4-0 defeat this time last year. What what has changed really? Because in the first purple patch that, that Solskjaer enjoyed as as interim United manager, we played on the counter-attack, um, we, we sat back, we won against big teams, we sometimes struggled against small teams, but generally we were doing really well. And, and in, the, in the, the negative patch of that at the back end of the season, we just struggled to break teams down. To, to what extent has that changed this season and a year on? How much has that, that developed? I mean, if, we, if we're talking about uh, until the Bruno Fernandes signing, I think you'd probably say not too much, honestly. You know, obviously, we've, we've never repeated the lows of, of the Everton game, but I think actually a lot of what we were seeing during that horrific run of form didn't actually change too much. We've yeah. still been very, very strong against the top teams. You know, done the double over City, took points off Liverpool, beating Chelsea... You know, we we've had good results against the top teams, just as we did in Solskjaer, Solskjaer's first or few months as United manager. So I don't know if much did change. Obviously, it changed from the Everton game, as I said, that was an outlier. But I actually don't think that much changed overall. The big change seems to have happened after January, after the signing of Bruno Fernandez, and it obviously isn't all down to Bruno Fernandez. I think it would be unfair to characterise everything positive as just down to Fernandez, but him. And the impact that he's had on those around him, we've won and won comfortably games against all kinds of teams. You look at three 0 against Watford, four was it five five 0 against Lask, uh, was it three 0 against Derby in the cup, 
Um, you know, and then we've also gone and beaten City. Yeah. We, we've had good results against all kinds of teams and it, it's been really since the only, the only other time we'd, we've done that for a prolonged period of time was in the first couple of months of Solskjaer's time yeah. as manager. And, and I guess to, to quite a large extent, this United team remain a, a side that relies quite significantly upon upon confidence. Every team does. That's, that's the the nature of football. Oh, but I think that's I think the again going back to the signing of Bruno Fernandes, and it's only been well, he only really had six weeks as a United player before um, before things paused. But the signs show that his arrival has maybe stopped United from being so reliant upon building confidence up and momentum partly because of his quality if you think about the Everton game not the 4-0 but the 1-1 um, where De Gea made that early mistake and, and Fernandes brought United back into it with a, a long range effort that quality means that when United do play uh, not as well as they can or, or have a rough start it, it brings that confidence back but also because he's added a bit another leader into the dressing room a bit more maturity because if you think about this United team before Bruno Fernandes was signed who was the best player in the side it was 20 year old Marcus Rashford who was who was the best player after that well you're thinking the the best performing players of the season Aaron Wan-Bissaka Scott McTominay Dan James um, it's it, it, it's a really young United side and so as we move on to talk about how far United off challenging for the title I think there's, there's I think this this break and, and the opportunity to talk instead of letting United fans rest their expectations a little has, has led to some thinking oh we're we're a lot closer than we are and I, I, I still think we're we're quite quite far off I'm, I'm I'm not using this to to slate anyone at United or 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 fans who think we're close but I I, I think there's a long way to yeah, go I, th- I think there's to, before me talking about how close we are to the title I think one thing that definitely has changed at United for the better is there does seem to be more of a plan and I think that comes from the fact that we do seem to be backing Oli for the long term, which I think as as difficult as that seemed at, at various points now at this point, you know, I'll hold my hands up and say it looks like I was wrong. And I think it, it does look like the right decision from the club. And I think that has helped us have a bit more of a strategy in the transfer market. And you can kind of see that in the type of signings we made. As I, as I said earlier, there is, it's not like we're just lurching from player to player with no idea how they're going to fit into the side. There is a more coherent vision it seems I think in, in terms of of how close we are to the title I think there's a couple of things at play here one is that I, I would say at, at this point we we probably are the best team that we've been since definitely since the Mourinho's second place season and even then I, I would say potentially again it's very difficult to judge off what is sort of a six-week sample but yeah. the signs from that those six weeks were suggesting that this might be a better side than that even. Um, and I, I think that kind of goes, I think that there'd be very few people who would disagree with that. I think the, the problem is that if you're saying how close are we to the title, the title is not just dependent on how good we are, it's dependent on how good the competition is. And obviously we have two historically great sides above us in Liverpool and City who winning the title yeah. now doesn't mean 80, 85 points as it has traditionally. It, it means potentially 100 points. And is this United side capable of, of 80, 85 points? Not With yet. maybe three or four additions, potentially. But is it a United side yeah. capable of, of 100 points? No way. Yeah, I, th- I think I think even hitting the 80-point the mark this United team would struggle with because 
we're using everything would have to fall perfectly. We, yeah, we, we'd have to have no injuries and you know be be riding high on confidence the entire. Yeah, season. I mean, take take this season for example. You replace so Paul Pogba has been injured for most of the season. He went in. We we went into this season thinking even whatever your opinions are on Paul Pogba and his future at the club everyone agreed that Pogba was the best player at the club. He he gets injured in, and has been injured for most of the season. Imagine that happens to Bruno Fernandes. Who comes in to replace him? Jesse Lingard, Andreas Pereira, Juan Mata. The, this is a thing. And so, so let's first talk about the starting lineup, and then we can talk about squad depth because Jadon Sancho is, is, is the, the name on everybody's lips for, for whatever reason, would obviously be a, a brilliant signing. You've then got a, a pretty good front line of, of Sancho, Rashford, Martial, sounds great. But as we've seen, Rashford is getting more and more consistent. Martial is, is struggling to, to find that, although was having a, a pretty good spell. Um, and Jadon Sancho himself is, is still a really young player and would have to readapt to the to the Premier League and, and perhaps adapt to a slightly different role. So that sounds great. And then once you go behind that, who have you got? Well, Mason Greenwood and, and Dan James and Tahith Chong. So even that front line, which on the face of things sounds brilliant, doesn't wouldn't quite have the quality to make even make United a, a title challenger. And you you would think the signing of Sancho would would make that happen. You're absolutely right. Winning a, a league title is is far far more than just having one good eleven. I think Manchester City are the example of that. I mean, this is a, a squad, not just a, a, a team. This is a squad of twenty players who are the well, at least. I say at least ten to fifteen of them are world class or borderline world class. I mean, that might be a little bit of an, of an exaggeration, but there are at least ten to fifteen very, very good players in that squad. And it means you know when you're when you can rotate Sergio Aguero and bring in Gabriel Jesus, when you can rotate Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva and bring in Riyad Mahrez, you know that this is a, that is a huge, huge boost to your team, and it's something that we don't have. And that, regardless of, of how many signings you make isn't going to change in one transfer window. That is a process that takes a long time because we, we're not going to be able to sign all of these great players in one transfer window. And even if we somehow did, it would take more than just that one preseason to get them all integrated to the team and get them all being, you know, okay with the roles that they have. It's very difficult unless you have, quite frankly, the, a manager like Pep Guardiola and or the money of Manchester City, which we arguably do have to spend, it takes really both of those factors, I think, to make world-class players be willing to come and potentially play in, in a rotation role. And I don't think we are at a, a point at the moment where we can offer that to a to a player the, the calibre of Riyad Mahrez or Bernardo Silva and for them to be, to be happy with accepting that role. So it's going to take more than just one transfer window. So I think in terms of starting 11, I'd probably say we're another three to four signings away from from being a title-challenging first eleven, I think we're probably at least at least one year, if not two years, away from. And this is if everything goes right in the transfer window and with injuries and everything from from being a title-challenging. Well, I think I think even the 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 starting lineup. I don't I don't want to put a down or <laughs> especially at this time, but this is the right time to talk about where Manchester United are and even the starting lineup. So you start from the back, David De Gea. Has has been a great keeper. Is he is he now the best keeper in the league? No. You, you talk about the defense. Alan Wambasaka 
very good right back. His his tackling is is probably the best I've ever seen. As ridiculous as it sounds, but he's not yet a title winning right back. He needs to to improve in in attack, which he is doing. The Maguire Lindelof partnership itself, I, I don't think that's good enough. Um, Lindelof doesn't have the pace to to cover for Maguire. Eric Bay he might do, but he's not fit. Axel Twanzebe might do. He's not yet the starting centre back. He he had his own injury issues. Luke Shaw isn't a title winning left back. Neither is Brandon Williams as much as we love him. And that's just the back four. And then midfield, you've got Bruno Fernandes, Fred, who is now playing well. He could have another off patch. Nemanja Matic, who is again playing well, could have another off patch. And if he plays every game of a ninety, every ninety minutes of a thirty-eight game season, by the twentieth game, he's going to look like the thirty-two or thirty-one year old he is. Um, Paul Pob, we don't know if he's going to be here. So this is, I think, that's the point that even the starting eleven is quite far away. The the positive thing is that you mentioned, you compared it with the, the Jose Marino season where we finished second. I think even though United aren't even in the top four as things stand in this weird season, which we don't know if it's going to carry on, I still see this as kind of a similar jumping off point because realistically we, we were 19 points off in that second season. So we're not too much further off the title than we were then. But the, I see this as a, as a similar jumping off point, especially if the season carries on and we can win one of the Europa League or FA Cup that from here, United have to make the signings to improve the side as we didn't when we finished second and we had an injured Ibrahimovic and a, a Pogba who was playing well, but then no one to support him, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking back, there were so many mistakes made in the way that we handled the follow-up to that second-place season because there actually was, you know, we were still a long way away from Man City, as you said, nine, we finished 19 points off them, but there was a genuine chance to use that season as as you said, as a jumping off point, as a as a point from which we could build. And there was a genuine squad to build around. And I think we have that again now. You know, you, and as, as you just said, you went went through some of the starting 11. You're right in that a lot of those players are not at this point title level, title winning level players. But I think it is also worth pointing out that many of those players are still improving. You know, yes, De Gea might be declining, but we have then have Dean Henderson waiting in the wings to bring to bring in. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is still improving. Harry Maguire is still improving. Twan Zabi is still improving. Lindelof is arguably still getting better. I, I think he is. You know, even in midfield, the likes of Fred is still improving week by week. McTominay is improving. You know, we got a very young front line of Rashford, Martial, potentially Jaden Sancho, if you add him into the yeah. mix. You know, it is... The, the, the problem is that there are so many ifs and buts in that statement. And it's all reliant on us having, one, a good strategy in the transfer market, which we did not have a few years ago uh, after the, the season where we finished second. And the second is having, well, it, it's a few it's a, it's a few things that we need. One is a good manager and a good coaching staff. Mourinho clearly is a good manager, but wasn't right for the set of players that we had. It's arguable whether Ollie's is as good of a manager, but seems to at least at the moment be the right person with this group of players, which sometimes is, is just as important as, as sort of yeah. overall quality as a manager. And second, it's about finding a system that fits these players. And that was one thing we did not have under Mourinho. And I think eventually when things, when the results started to dry up, there was no faith in the system yeah. from the players. Whereas I think, I think that the, the great quality of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is his man management. And that's not just a, a prediction, that is listening to not only Manchester United players, but the players who have previously played for Solskjaer at other clubs at, at Mulder and at Cardiff 
particularly at Molder, obviously, because Cardiff wasn't wasn't a great spell. But the, but the players really like him, and obviously that that doesn't win you football matches. But if they put their belief in the system, and this is something that that definitely didn't happen under Louis Van Gaal at United. I remember him having to put email trackers on on the documents he sent out to to United players because he didn't believe they were reading his preparation notes for matches. And Wayne Rudy said recently that he 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 thinks it he regrets that the United squad didn't fully buy into what Van Gaal was doing because he was probably the best coach he'd worked under. The, the great thing with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is he does, he, he, he not only commands the, the friendship with his squad, but they, they seem to respect him as well. Um, and I think that that's a great thing because he, he, he isn't Pep Guardiola and he isn't Jurgen Klopp, but he will attract players to United because of what other players say about him. And you think about Marcus Rashford and how his friendship with Jadon Sancho through the, the England squads, which they've shared for, for many years. And he will have, have been talking to Jadon Sancho about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and how he manages attackers in particular and, and improves them. And I think that's one of the, the great positives and there are a lot of positives and when you compare it to the the 4-0 a year ago today when Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Dino and Walcott were all scoring against United it it it, things are certainly up it's just we're we're still the fact we're talking about how far we're off a a title challenge is a slight improvement even though it's slightly embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah I mean there was a point about a year ago to this day when we lost 4-0 to Everton when the thought of Talking about challenging for a title would have probably made most of our listeners just turn the podcast off as we were in a dreamland. But now at least it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still a bit of a pipe dream, but it's still, I get it, it is more feasible now at this point. I think th- the big thing for me is just that it seems like, and again, it's very, very difficult to say this because it was only a six to seven week sample size. And so it comes with that caveat as yeah. always. But the thing that really, really left an impression on me from that that period before the season was was halted is that we had some consistency and we we were beating all kinds of teams and really the only other time we've done that consistently is in the first sort of 10 to 12 weeks of Solskjaer's time yeah. as United manager when we were beating you know we beat Spurs we beat Arsenal and we also beat all of the smaller teams that we faced as well and i think that for me it was huge because yeah. you could see that there was there was an ability in this United side to adapt our performances to who we're playing against and to do it effectively. You know, we we defended very, very well against Man City, restricted them to just really two, one or two chances throughout the game. But then you look at the way we completely dominated Lask against Club Bruges, against Derby, you know, against Watford. Those, those kind of games make leave an impression on me as as being a, a sizable difference in what went before. So, you know, yeah. I think we all have to take this with a pinch of salt and realise that we're probably all getting ahead of ourselves because we're longing for <laughs> football and United to come back. And so we think about the last thing we saw, which was Bruno Fernandes seemingly ruling the world. But it was yeah. only a, a six-week well, yeah. you know, period. And so we, there are the caveats that come with that. But it was also still acceptable to be to be positive and hope yeah, yeah. when football eventually comes back, whether it's this season or next season, we can carry on. I, th- I think we're generally... Well, I think we use the word caveat a lot on this podcast, and it's, if we have, we have the right idea goes behind it, it's that we, we shouldn't be getting carried away. But as as a fan, the, 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 those last six weeks, I remember coming away from Old Trafford after we'd been beaten by Burnley. I remember saying in, in the, the build up towards the game that Chris Wood was going to score from a set piece. He did; it was so obvious, and, and the marking was terrible. And you came away from that game, and you felt that there was there was something really wrong at, at United, and it was when. Bruno Fernandes still hadn't joined the club and you just thought this signing's not going to happen this team is is going to finish 
eighth or ninth or tenth and go out to all the competitions and within a week things had, had, had very quickly changed but the six weeks after that when when Bruno came in the the draw with Wolves at home started things off and then picked up very quickly it we the, the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant and and some of these games this season have been completely fantastic um we're going to wrap things up in a second I'm going to ask you for uh to recommend one goal to go on YouTube um for for the listeners to just have have fun watching a goal um so think about any goal from the last 20 years or so I'm, I'm going to ask you that in a second but yeah that, that positivity around the club is is something that has a big effect and makes you not think twice about spending 30 quid on a ticket to go see your team when before that Burnley game I was thinking well I don't know about this positive atmosphere does does make great things we talked last week about how watching the United side back at sort of the end of the 2010s when we had Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, Berbatov it it made you and we and we both were both were kids at the time to be <laughs> fair but it made you it made you watch football like a little kid it made you get excited watching it not not that this is just something that became a routine and I I've got to say I think especially since United have been off I've started to get that feeling back a little bit you know I've been watching highlights of of, the, of our games for the last few weeks and for a few years before that and watching the, the good moments and it's nice to feel like that you're getting that excitement back in you and I think that is something that Solskjaer yeah. has been good at for fans in general but especially sort of since the beginning of February it does feel like that fire is coming back yeah um, I, I'm going to ask for, the, for that goal in a second I think it's it's nice to have a, a break from the, the kind of constant time timeline of, of elite football where we're just constantly going game after game and we kind of enjoy it at the time but having this break which isn't the off season which isn't oh, I'm just waiting for pre-season which you actually have to go and think what what am I how can I get my football fixed and it, it, it's quite a nice way to reflect and maybe after it all we'll think maybe we don't need 65 matches every season um, for every club in the country but um, if if you had to recommend one goal for the listeners to go and go and watch to distract them or, or cheer them up or to fill some time um, what would it be? Alright so I, I think some reason I, I stumbled across a, a replay of uh, it was a Premier League video on Facebook of the best goals in United versus Arsenal uh, games down the years and one that I think is very underrated and but a brilliant, brilliant goal, especially since we just played against Derby recently. Go back and watch Wayne Rooney's goal against Arsenal at the Emirates in 2010 on the counter-attack. We go from inside our own box to, to a goal in about eight seconds, thanks to a Rooney and Nanny counter-attack. Yeah, in the in the black kit with the the blue V. That that set of kits was a, a really good one. With the um, yeah. the red with the black was the home kit and then yeah, the white, white with the blue chevron almost. And then the, yeah... Those were a good set of kits. That black kit with the blue, uh, the blue chevron was. Yeah, really, I've actually really I've got really that nice. one with. I've, I've I've been buying some old United shirts um, to to fill the time. I've got that one with with Rooney on the back as well. Um, <laughs> just about fits. Uh, the, the, the goal <laughs> I'm going to recommend. There's actually there's actually two. Um, I was thinking of one, and I've I've just found another. Uh, I've just thought of another. The first one would be. Can't remember why I was watching this. The Community Shield 2011. Um, where <laughs> De Gea cleverly and Young, yeah, they all made their debuts, and United beat City three two. I think the third goal, think it I might be the, the second, is 
a brilliant team goal. And I tweeted this out the other day, at, I think in, in the middle of the night, so no one would have seen it. But um, brilliant team goal started by uh, Rooney, I think. It plays a, a, a quick pass with Cleverly and it goes back to Rooney to Cleverly and then Nanny finishes off beautifully. It's, it's a great goal, one that I completely forgotten about. And the second one didn't, is... Um, did Nanny also score a Thunderbolt? He scored... I, he can't have done because he, he I, I know two of the ones I'm he sure scored he's, I'm sure he scored he didn't score a hat-trick goal. did he I'm, I'm sure he scored an amazing goal in that game Smalling scored from a volley like a really similar volley to the the 3-2 against City to stop them winning the title Smalling scored a volley yeah. and then Nani ran through one-on-one and scored and then scored this great team goal um, but the the second goal I was going to recommend is is Berbatov in the seven one against Blackburn. I, I he scored five, so I I don't know which one it is of the five. But there's one where I think it's Nani just absolutely rinses his defender two or three times. The defender keeps getting back up. He rinses him again, puts him on the floor, and then passes it to Berbatov, and Berbatov finishes off as coolly as ever. So I'd recommend both of those two: <laughs> Berbatov in the seven one against Blackburn and Nani in the Community Shield against City, that 3-2 win. Um, we've, we've spoken for a very There's long time. There's also, actually, if you want to, if you want to just quickly, if you want to watch more than one United goal, there is, I don't know what date they posted it, but on the Manchester United Facebook page, because this came up in my suggested Facebook videos a few days ago, um, there is a, <laughs> they've done a few of um, various United players, every one of their Premier League goals. And there's a great Cristiano Ronaldo one, if you want to go back and reminisce about that brilliant team and remember how even so many of the forgotten goals that Ronaldo scored are extremely, extremely good. Yeah, that, I mean... There's also a Martial one on there as well, which has a, some some very good goals in itself. Yeah, Martial scored some absolutely brilliant goals for us. I think we, we often forget. Yeah. We've ended this very positive. The one goal. against, uh, I think it's Stoke, where he gets the, on the, on the counter-attack, the ball over from Rooney on the uh, far left-hand side of the box, and then he curls it into the far corner. It's one of my favourites. Yeah, Um is that is that the one up, that was at home under under Van Gaal, wasn't it? Yeah, and Rooney sets it up. Yeah, because that was a game we scored. Yeah, exactly. We scored. It's a it's a counter attack down the right flank, and then Rooney plays the ball across to yeah, like yeah. the corner at the left corner of. Stokes yeah, we scored Fox. three goals in the first half, and it was the first time we'd scored in the first half at Old Trafford for something like twelve or thirteen games or something, <laughs> yeah. and we 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 suddenly scored three. And I think I think my dad missed all three because he was like he was out and he was like, I'm not rushing back to get back for the first half. I'll just come back for the second and then missed all three and, and we didn't score any more in the second half. It's it's weird that we're reminiscing about the Louis Van Gaal days, but there we go. That's probably a good place to end it before we start reminiscing about the David Moyes era. You can see that this uh, no football situation is making us go a bit loopy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we've you're working on some some final university work, and I'm editing about a hundred podcasts a day, and this is what it does to you. But feel free to uh, to send us any goals that you recommend that the other United fans watch on Twitter, and we'll make sure to retweet them. So we can all have a little bit of joy to to fill our time in this this void of football that we're all experiencing. Yeah, there is. I mean, you could spend all day on YouTube watching United videos, um, but there's there's a set. I think it's a playlist because they can all fit in one. But there's a a set of videos with every Manchester United goal in the Premier League ever, which will take up a few hours <laughs> of your day. It's there's also a, there's also a good one. Um, there's a good one of every United match from the 2008 season as well, which I definitely haven't watched multiple times already in the last <laughs> few weeks yeah that's the way thing is um, anyway if you enjoyed the show um, give it a share leave us a review on iTunes um, we tweeted out a few of them the other day um, people have been leaving very nice reviews thank you very much if you're going to gonna leave one make it make it five stars don't 
mess about with four stars, which no one has, by the way. This isn't an indirect. I just mean I'd, <laughs> we'd rather get none. I'd rather get a one star than a four star because a four star, like, oh, you're doing quite well, but um, there, there's something missing. One star, you just hate us, which a couple of lads in Australia do. Um, but yeah, for more from us throughout the week, tweet us your yeah, goals. Yeah, so Australia really us. hates us, don't they? If anyone wants a, a laugh, actually, go look at our reviews from Australia. <laughs> And if you're in Australia, please, please they hate us, uh, compensate for them by leaving us a review because the only two <laughs> one stars we've ever had from anywhere in the world both come from Australia. Um, but for, for, <laughs> for more from us throughout the week, tweet us your goals. Um, Jack's on Twitter at, at UTD Tate's T-A-I-T. And I'm at Harry Robinson 64 on the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. P-O-D at the end there. Tweet us your goals. We'll retweet them. Um, we can all have fun reminiscing and not really achieving anything in this um, this strange time, which has somehow almost been four weeks already. Um, but a year ago today, United lost 4-0 to Everton, and now we're sitting in a, a global pandemic lockdown, talking about if Manchester United can win the league. <laughs> strange, strange times. Hope everyone's doing well. If you if you are suffering with it, best wishes. Hope you're, hope you're feeling better soon. Um, and have a great week. Enjoy the sun if you can. Goodbye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.